page number 88 with us. Let's sing that last verse together. Page number 88. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. Let's sing it out together on the last. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempest blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows light from thee is ever in thy care. And Aren't you thankful we serve a God that knows all, he's in charge of all, and nothing happens without his approval. Amen. Let's turn to page number 221. Page number 221. How firm a foundation. We'll sing all verses as we begin this morning. Page 221. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled in every condition, in sickness and health, in poverty's fail. Or abounding in wealth at home and abroad on the land on the sea, as your days may demand, shall your strength ever be when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. In down to old age, all my people shall prove my sovereign, eternal, unchangeable love. And when white and hairs Shall their temples adorn like lambs they shall still in my bosom be born. Fear not, I am with thee, oh be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to Righteous, omnipotent hand The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose I will not, I will not desert to expose That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shame I'll never, no, never, no, never Somebody say amen this morning. Great start. Preacher.
of you all, y'all sing that and don't shout, amen. I've, <clears throat> this is what I was thinking of. Now, this is just me. I, I love America, and I'm a patriot. And so when you hear a good rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner, son, I'm telling you, that gets me wound up. That just, I'm, you know, just the goosebumps and mercy, that was good. To me, that song is like the Christian anthem. I mean, that's our great God, amen, and uh, just amazing, and so thankful that He promises never to leave us, nor forsake us. If you're a child of, of, of the Lord, listen, that, that's, that doesn't change, amen, and He is faithful, and so mercy, uh, anyways, I just want to sing it all over again, but we better not, amen, we got we to gotta move on, and I got to drive back to Oklahoma City, all right, but I uh, do want to uh, welcome you to our services uh, this morning, sure glad that you're here, good to have the Switzer family here uh, with us, and already the Sunday school time was a blessing this morning, and uh, I know he's going to be a blessing tonight as he preaches, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer, we need the Lord here this morning. And let's ask him to bless our services. And I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan if you would pray for us this morning. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning here just for a moment? Wanted to mention a few uh, announcements and, and things like that. And of course, it is good. Uh, to have the Switzer family here with us going to, uh, or going back actually to South Africa. And so again tonight, uh, if you would certainly pray for us, I'll be traveling uh, back this afternoon to be with my family there at Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City uh, as my son as well as several of our other kids uh, are going there to Heartland Baptist Bible College. And so tonight, Brother uh, Jonathan Switzer is going to be preaching in the evening service. So we'll have our 6 o'clock Bible study and our 6.30 uh, service tonight. And then, of course, wanted to mention this, ladies, if you're not aware of this, Tuesday night uh, of this week, August the 22nd, be the ladies' meeting. And so I believe that's at 7 o'clock, be over in the fellowship hall. And so make sure to bring soup or salad. Also keep in mind uh, that our kitchen is not completed yet. Uh, we do have some things kind of set up there as a makeshift kitchen, uh, but just want to remind our ladies of that. And then, of course, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, also want our parents to know we will be having uh, the uh, parent orientation, and that'll be this coming Thursday night, August uh, the 24th, and so make sure we're, you're aware of that. And then next Sunday, uh, Brother Dave Hardy is going to be here with us, and he'll be preaching in the evening service and there will be a linger longer uh, to follow that. So just looking forward to a great week in the Lord, but sure excited about what the Lord has for us uh, today. Uh, Brother Eric, why don't you come on here? I'm ask you to turn to page 110, if you would. Page 110. We're going to sing all three verses. Blessed be the name. Page number 110. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sing it out with me on the first verse. Oh, for a thousand tongues to 
Page 167, 167, and stand with me if you would, please. <clears throat> Page number 167 this morning, we're going to sing all verses. Calvary covers it all. Let's sing it out together on the first verse. Far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my heart. How that alone for my sin did not this morning. Good to have each one of you here. Glad for those visiting back with us today as well.
page 167, if you lost that page. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God this morning? Oh, we can do better than that. I'd say we need to be thankful for the grace of God this morning because without Him, where would we be? The last song we sang, Blessed Be the Name, talked about how He makes the, even the foulest clean. That's you and me. And that's only because of the grace of God. Amen. So let's sing it out on that third verse. How matchless the grace when I looked in the face. How matchless the grace when I looked in the face of this Jesus, my crucified Lord. My redemption complete, I then found at His feet, and Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. How blessed the thought that my soul by him bought shall be his in the glory on high where with gladness and song I'll be one of the throng and Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all my past with its sin and stain my guilt and despair Jesus took on him there and Calvary covers it all makes no difference what you've done Jesus Christ is willing to forgive you and save you this morning. Amen. Calvary covers it all. Brother Tim, come right ahead. The men come for the offering. I'd like to read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says in verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Brother Raymer, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
all get to heaven. Amen. What a blessing. Well, I do want to take care of a little bit of business before we move too far along in our uh, service this morning. And uh, again, I, as already mentioned, uh, it's good to have the Switzer family here with us, missionaries to South Africa. Did a great job this morning, certainly presenting the field. They've already been there uh, for one term. They've been home on furlough here for a little bit of time and, and certainly anxious to get back as the Lord opens that door. What I'd like to do this morning is to see Faith Baptist Church get behind them financially. And so if you're a member of Faith Baptist Church and you're willing to do that, would you just lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Amen. amen. I, something that is certainly heavy on my heart is that we don't have any missionaries uh, in the continent of Africa, as far as I can tell, looking at our list. We've had some in the past, uh, but just currently that's, that's where we are. And so I'd like to see us having a part in that, amen, and bearing fruit uh, in that area and certainly in the future. And so tonight, instead of having missionary Jonathan Switzer, we get to have our missionary Jonathan Switzer, amen. So how about, how about that? All right. That's a blessing, amen, to be able to do that. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to page 674. Would you stand with me, please? Page 674. <clears throat> there is no greater joy than to be serving the Lord. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Of times the day seems long, our trials are to bear. We're tempted to complain.
say this every time and i just need to tell you we understand what the author is saying of that song but it is worth it now too amen praise the lord we get to serve him now you may be seated wonderful singing this morning just before the message this morning we're gonna have a duet from mrs quinlan and mrs watson
blessing this morning. Amen. <clears throat> sure thankful our Savior loves us, wants us to be saved. Sometimes we sit back and think things are in His court. Well, really, things are in your court. And He's waiting for you to respond. The work's already been done. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us this morning, we are in the book of Romans in our Sunday morning uh, series. We've actually made it quite a ways there. We're getting into chapter number 13 uh, we, we know this, that Paul has spent a tremendous time going very thoroughly through the subject or the doctrine of, of salvation. I, th- I think it's been made very, 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 very clear that man is saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, he's, 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 un- you know, he's laid it out, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but that Christ, in, in that while we were yet sinners, died for us and that we can call upon Him by faith and He can save us and forgive us of our sins. Really as simple as Romans ten nine and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Just as simple as that. I love verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And even Brother Switzer brought out that precious truth this morning that doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, people in South Africa, people in Olathe, Kansas, you can be saved. And uh, thankful for that. And then, of course, as you get into chapter number 12, the direction of the book really changes as Paul turns his attention to the child of God. He begins to plead to the brethren there to present themselves as living sacrifices unto the Lord. And we've gotten now all the way to chapter number 13. Paul is dealing very much with the Christian and our character and who we are to be as a child of God. And so let's stand this morning in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand just for a moment here. And I want to begin reading in verse number 8. We looked at this actually last week. And as Paul was dealing with the authorities in our life and talked about how we need to pay our taxes, man, I wish you would have left that out. Uh, and just, you know, those kind of things, certainly paying our bills, those kind of things, uh, having a godly testimony, he certainly deals with this. And, and, and notice in verse number 18, or verse number 8 rather, there's kind of a play here on, on words to what he said there in verse number 7 about paying our dues and, and taxes. He says, owe no man anything but to love one another. So it's the idea of understanding this, that as a child of God, we're not to be in debt at, at all to any man financially, but we are indebted unto men spiritually. We're, we're called to love them. And, and well, why? Because God loves them and wants them to be safe. And so he goes down and begins to talk about that. He says, For he that loveth uh, another hath fulfilled the law. For this, 
Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not, or thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Didn't want to skip that one. Amen. And then he says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment that is, uh, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's exactly what Jesus Christ said during his earthly ministry. He says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So again, it's that idea that we owe men, that we are indebted unto men spiritually to have compassion on them, to care for them, to give them the gospel of Christ. But then look at verse number 11. This is where I want to pick up this morning. He says, and that. So again, it's kind of bringing it all together, isn't it? Still kind of in the same context here. And he says, knowing the time that now it is, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Oh, come on, man. That'll preach on a Sunday morning to Baptist right there. Man, I, we, should have, we should have hammered on that last week when it was raining. During the morning service today, it's really hot, and people will still start going, and I'm, I'm just, maybe one of them blue angel jets will fly over and wake you up. You'll think the rapture happened, amen? <laughs> says, awake out of sleep, and then he says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day, as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's pretty interesting. Really, I I would say to you this, it kind of ties it all up in the sense that what he just dealt with And he begins to talk about this, that you need to love your neighbor. You need to love them and care for them. Give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that and that, that that begins there in verse number 11, it just kind of brings it all together because now what he's saying is this, is that if you are going to go to your neighbor and you are going to give them the message of Jesus Christ, then you ought to have a life that backs up the message instead of one that's hypocritical. Hypocritical. It's interesting, though, if you look at verse number 11, he says, he says, and that knowing, knowing the time, and now it is high time, again, time, to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I, I, what, what, I, what I believe he's, he's doing is this, is that this heads up this whole idea. And so as Paul approaches this issue of having a life that is separated and holy and living unto Jesus Christ, he begins to approach this issue by dealing with the subject of time. Now watch this. What he's saying is this. We don't have much time left. So therefore, you and I don't have the luxury to procrastinate and to put this off. Now I I know, I, I know... You know, I know that you and I, we're, we're not procrastinators. That was my spiritual gift of sarcasm right there. No, I, I know me, and I have a tendency to procrastinate. Because that's what's in our flesh. But here's what I know, is that in my day and time, 
What I have seen people do is not just procrastinate in earthly things. Probably the greatest area where people procrastinate is in the spiritual things in their life. And what Paul is saying is this. Listen, you, we don't have time for this. You owe a debt to men. And there, listen, there's not much time left. And you and I need to be busy about doing the things that God's called us to do. I, it's, it's, what, what I title the message is this, a warning of procrastination. And if there's anything that I could challenge you with this morning, is whatever spiritual decision that God is dealing with you about, Today is not the day to put that off anymore. Today is the day to actually commit to it and do it. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? I always think about people visiting the church for the first time and we kind of stand there for a little while and I'm wondering if they're thinking in their mind, are we going to stand for the whole message? Amen. And and uh, good news, we get to sit down, amen. My pastor, my pastor used to have this saying when we were in Bible Institute, and he always said this, pressure produces. And he was right. Because typically speaking, on Tuesday, every Tuesday and Thursday nights of Bible Institute, you would often find my car, as well as several other young men's cars parked in the parking lot at Berean Baptist Church early. And the reason was because all of us guys were cramming for the test that we were about to take. You know why? Because pressure produces. But, but here's why he also said that. It's because he knew, as well as many of us know, that it is within natural man to procrastinate over pretty much everything. Don't bring, don't start me on honeydews. Amen. I'll get to it next week or six weeks from now or next year. Don't worry about it. But, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that we have the tendency to put off what we already know that we need to do. And, and this is what Paul is warning of is in our text as he approaches this subject of a holy life for, for God's people. Now, I just want to kind of stop here and just kind of, if we could, recall some things from, from last week's message a little more in depth, if you will, be, be, because, you know, more than what we already have, so that this way we can kind of we can kind of fully wrap our minds and, and really grasp what Paul is, is trying to get across here. See, one of the, one of the things that we pointed out uh, last week, and, and even in, as well as in our other messages, is that when you go through the book of Romans, I mean, it starts out with, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, you know, it's the salvation of God unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And so even from that point and all the way throughout the book, Paul would oftentimes, he would switch audiences and he would deal specifically with the Jews and, and then specifically with the Gentiles or sometimes the Jewish believers or, or, or the Gentile believers. And what I want to declare to you is this, is that, is that Paul is, 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 is dealing with in verses 8 through 10 there, the law and the commandments and those kind of things. I think that it becomes very apparent that he is dealing with the Jewish believers in Rome. 
talks about the Old Testament law and, and the fulfilling of it. And, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're going to be fulfilling those, those, those laws of thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not kill. And, and the list goes on and on there in verse number 9. But something else that we pointed out in last week's message was look there in verse number 10 again. He says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. And that word ill right there, it means this. It means worthless. And, and so to, to truly love your neighbor then, he says this. In, in other words, it's not to deem them worthless, but rather to treat them as having great value. After all, they have great value in the eyes of God. Come on, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And so it's the idea here, this. That just as God loved us and wanted us to be saved, listen, God loves them and wants them to be saved. But, but again, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because this too also points to the Jews. Because it was the Pharisees, it was the Pharisees during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ that would often treat people this way. Come on, friend. They, 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 they deemed themselves more valuable than everyone else. And so therefore, they looked down their noses and, and, and would do ill towards their neighbor. Would treat them as valueless. Not really love them. Did I get this? Because see, this, this is why. Now watch this. This is why I wanted to call those things to your attention and in your mind. Because I think, I think that we would all be on the same page here. It's it's obviously, it's well known to the Bible student, but really almost, I mean, almost every believer within Christendom would understand this, that the Pharisees, the Pharisees in the Scriptures, they were primarily known for two things. The, one of those would have been this, an arrogant attitude towards others. Come on, friend, they, they, thought, they, they thought very highly of themselves in their religious piety, but the second thing is this, a hypocritical lifestyle. Am I getting that? A, a hypocritical lifestyle. They expected others to keep the law, yet they didn't require it of their own selves. They would often twist the word of God completely, or or uh, twist the word of God, or completely ignore it. Rather, to and altogether, when it when it came to things that that benefited them, such as money or or material gain, they were they were the they listen. They invented the whole principle of loophole. You understand what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, He would often confront them uh, on, on several occasions during His earthly ministry regarding these two things. But here, now watch this. See, here's the point. Where the first issue, now watch this, where the first issue of that arrogant attitude of the Jews that was dealt with in verses 8 through 10. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love worketh no ill will towards your neighbor. Come on, he's, he's already dealt with that. And so now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the second issue uh, in our text. And this would make sense, wouldn't it? That, that, that we, would, we would realize that, that if we're going to love our neighbors, and we're going to take them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we would have a life that backs up that message. Otherwise, we'd be perceived to be as silly as the Pharisees in the Scriptures. That's what he's doing. 
Come on, that's, that's what he's doing. What, what I, this is what I thought about. What I see is that Paul, he brings balance to an issue that is really still a conundrum today in American Christianity. As God's people, we are certainly not, we, I said we are certainly not to have an arrogant attitude and look down upon others. Well, 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 why not, preacher? Well, one, because had it not been for the grace of God, there go I. Come on, friend, you're just as much a wicked sinner as anybody outside these walls. We are all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But please catch this. But two, is this what he brings up in verse number eight? And that is this, that we owe a debt. We owe a debt. God loves them and wants them to be saved just like he saved us. And on the other side of that, on the other side of that, there is an expectation that God's people would live a holy life. Yet you hear it all the time in religious circles that when someone has standards in their life or lives, you know, and they live a certain way and they dress a certain way and they talk a certain way that, that is vastly apart and different from this world, all of a sudden, people will say, well, they're just a bunch of Pharisees. Well, well, let me help you with this. One, a Pharisee was someone who attempted to do works for salvation. Did I get this? Um, and, and so we don't do the things that we do in order to be saved. We do the things we do because we've already been saved. But, but you understand, and two, no, 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 because here's the thing that we find is that when you get in the Word of God, what you will find is that there's a calling and an expectation from God in His Word that His people would live holy lives. Just as simple as that. The commandment, no, no, no. The commandment to be ye holy as I am holy, that's not just in the New Testament, that's also in the, or that's not just in the Old Testament. That's also in the New Testament. Listen, God didn't change His character nor the expectations of His people between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Just as much as He called them to represent Him and to live unto Him in the Old Testament, He still calls us in the New Testament to, to live unto Christ and to represent Christ while on this earth by living a life unto Him. No, friend, I'm just, no, no, no. I'm just camping out on this for a little while because I'm just telling you, we are in a generation today that wants to have the salvation of God but refuses to have the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. And what happens is this. You send a mixed message and one that's vastly apart from the Word of God. Maybe in fact, because here's the thing. Well, you know, preacher, I've got, I've got the grace of God in my life. Well, that's great, but the grace of God isn't a license for you to live, continue in sin and wickedness. The grace of God is given to you so that you can have power over your sin and live unto Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, 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 let's, let's, let's also bring up the fact that what he says in Romans chapter 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. That's still a good Bible word, isn't it? Don't let the charismatics ruin that one. Holy, no, 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 but here's the thing. Um, he's holy. Amen. So doesn't it seem obvious that the more that we submit our lives as children of God to the leadership and the guiding of the Spirit of God, that the result of that would be that we would live a life that is holy? Well, I'm just telling you, friend. No, no, no. I'm just kind of trying to lay it out here that it gets you to understand 
that what Paul is dealing with is this pharisaical mindset that, that others are valueless and, and a hypocritical life. And what he's saying is this. No, 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 no. They are to be treated with value. And that when you go to them with the gospel, you're to have a life that backs up the message that you preach. You're, you're to have that. Huh. I wrote this down. I had this thought even after I penned the message and had to come back and write it down. Listen, listen to this. The world wants a version of Christianity that sounds and acts like them. That's what they want. Truth of the matter is, that's what they're consistently getting. But what they need, I said what they need is a version that sounds and acts like Jesus Christ. See, And so that's the idea here. That, that's what Paul is, is dealing with. That, that's why it goes down through. No, 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 no. Watch these things. Look down at verse number 12 here. He says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So you know what he's saying there? He's saying this, as a child of God, if you are saved this morning, your life ought to be about light instead of darkness. Now, you can go a lot of different ways in that, but here's the principle that you got to understand. Scripture always interprets Scripture. So in order for us to understand what light is and what darkness is, you've got to go back to the Word of God, but I think it'd be pretty obvious that darkness represents sin and light represents holiness. And even the Lord Jesus would say this in John chapter 3 and verses 18 and 19, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Aren't you glad for that? But, but he that believeth not, watch this, is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Everybody loves John 3, 16, but you better keep reading the verses 17, 18, and 19. Well, this is what the Lord Jesus said. And then he goes on in verse number 19 and says this, and this is the condemnation. Listen to this. That light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So you know what he's saying? What, what he's saying is this, is that darkness is represented by that which is evil, and light is represented by himself and that which is holy. And man is condemned, watch this, man is condemned when he refuses to humble himself and repent and turn away from his darkness and come to the light who is Jesus Christ. Well, that's exactly what he's saying. Then this continues, listen, this continues all the way throughout the New Testament, that same idea, that same message. But here's what Paul is saying in our text. See, these are people that have already been saved. They've already come to the light who is Jesus Christ. And so now what he's saying, watch this, is that what has transpired inside of us in our salvation is to begin to make its way out of us. And the things that are in our life that we know are darkness and evil and unpleasing unto God... We are to put those things away and in turn we are to turn from that and begin to put the things that are pleasing unto God in our life. You know, like church. Bible reading. Prayer time. Walking with God. Come on, somebody say amen. 
No, no, obedience unto Christ. Following the things that He's given us to do. Following the pattern of the New Testament believers. Doing the things that God has called us to do. Friend, the list could go on and on here, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that we're to be about those things rather than about the things that are evil and old life and all of that stuff. And that's what He's saying unto them. In fact, look down at verse number 13. He goes on and says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. And so the idea here is this, is that we are to have decency instead of debauchery. That's what He's saying. The word honestly mean, literally means this, decency. Woo, what did God, we'd get some decency about us today. We're to live this way as opposed to rioting and drunkenness. I think it's pretty obvious of that. You don't know what rioting and drunkenness looks like? Turn on the news. And the word chambering, listen to this. It literally means this, cohabitation. You know what that means? Wantonness. So he puts it together, chambering and wantonness. And wantonness means filthiness. It is literally the idea of being shacked up together in fornication. Oh, that might be acceptable by the world, but it's not acceptable unto God. No, no, no. Well, you know, I mean, aren't you going to get after homosexuality and all those things? Well, yeah, sure, but let me tell you, let me help you with this. It goes much further than just that. And, and look at verse number 14. He says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. That your life ought to be so filled up with Jesus Christ and His Word and His things that He's called you to do that you don't even have time to fulfill the flesh. That's what, that's what He's saying. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. So, man, preacher, you already made it to the last verse. Does that mean we're going to be done? Nope. I know that's what some of you are thinking. He's got to drive back to Oklahoma City, so he's moving fast. Oh, no, 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 no. What? what? I can miss the song service. But here, no, 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 because here's, but, but please catch this. See, this is the point. Once you have been saved, listen, listen to this. Once you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that's not the end. That's the beginning. That, no, no, no. And there are still some things God's requiring of you of your life. And He wants you to be a living sacrifice and, and to learn to grow in your faith and to, lo- and, and to have holy living in your life because that is the kind of life that backs up the message of the gospel and demonstrates to our neighbors, please listen to this, and it demonstrates to our neighbors that it's real. A gospel that doesn't change your life is useless. I said it's useless. It's like the lady that tried to sell me, you know, one of those ridiculously expensive vacuum cleaners one time. And Natalie had them there at the house. She called me uh, that morning and said, hey, these people are going through our neighborhood and they're selling these vacuum cleaners. And we're not buying one, but they said they'd steam clean our, or they'd clean our, our rug in our living room uh, for free if we listened to their spiel. I stayed in the office as long as I could that evening. They were still there. And I came home, and I'm ready to eat supper, and I'm mad. And I'm looking at them and giving them the stink eye. The preacher looked like, get out of my house. I'm trying to be nice, sort of. 
And, and this lady is talking to my wife and me about this vacuum cleaner. And I looked at her and I said, let me ask you this. Have you bought one? Do you own one? And she goes, oh, no, sir. They're too expensive. And I was like, exactly. Now get out of my house so I can eat my supper. That's exactly what I said to her. In a lovingly Jesus manner. Why, why would I be willing to invest in something that she doesn't even believe is worth her investing in? You, you telling me, listen, why, why would anyone listen to the message? Listen to this. Why would anyone listen to the message of the one who can forgive you and deliver you from sin when you're still living in it? Why? You can see the wheels turning right here about how we're justifying everything that's in our life right now. And I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to listen to me. We have no business having a holier-than-thou attitude. We're not any better than anybody else. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That puts Jew, Gentile, everybody right on the same playing field, doesn't it? South African, American, doesn't matter. Everybody sinned. Have no business having a holier-than-thou attitude. But listen to me, child of God. We also have no business living a hypocritical life. Pretending to be somebody that we're not. And playing games. And I, I listen, and that's exactly what Paul is dealing with. But here's the crooks of the, me- or the crooks of the message. And I want you to grab a hold of this. When people are confronted with the truth of the Word of God, you know what they typically do? They put it off. They procrastinate. They put off making spiritual decisions in their life. And so as Paul Paul is approaching this, he approaches it from the perspective of time. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says this, he says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now, is our salvation nearer than when we believe? The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. And then notice this, let us therefore, and he begins to go into his plea for them to live a life that is holy under the Lord Jesus Christ and filled up with him. But, but if you'll notice here, he uses time to approach all of this. Be, be a fact, he gives the sense of urgency. At the end of verse number 11 when he says this, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Do do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. That's what what he's talking about. No, no, no. And, 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 And he's talking about, no, please catch this. He's talking about the rapture of the saints. Well, that, that's what he's talking about. And all of the events that will play out after it with the tribulation period and the official return of Christ in power and glory. And what, he, what Paul, and to Paul's point, what he's saying is this, is that we don't have time to play games and we don't have time to put this off and procrastinate. We are nearer to our salvation now than when we first believed. And to Paul's point, if they were near, how much more near are we? 
Wow. I mean, this is, come on, this is almost 2,000 years ago. And so the danger, listen, this to me, this is the danger of procrastinating about spiritual things. See, See, when we were all, watch it, watch this. When we were all sitting in our cars on Tuesday night and Thursday night and we were cramming for tests, you know why we were doing that? Because we knew the test was that night. Seven o'clock, preacher's going to be there. We're going to have to write out these verses and not miss the punctuation. But when it comes to the return of Jesus Christ and His coming again, no man knoweth the day, nor the hour. Not even the angels in heaven. Is everybody catching this? And that's the danger in it all. That's right. We don't know when. It could happen today. That's right. Now would have been a perfect time for one of them jets to just zoom right over the... <laughs> everybody been like, whoa, let's get right with God. But you don't know. Man, you don't know. We might not finish the service and we're out of here. And everybody on earth is going to be going, well, these aliens came and got sucked everybody out of here and all. What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that if you're putting off making a decision for Jesus Christ, you are risking much. Because no man knows. Listen, it, if you, it, 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 listen, you're here this morning and you're lost and there's not been that time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord. I'm just telling you, you're missing. You're, you're, you, you are risking much. Or maybe you're even here this morning and your life's a mess and you know you need to get some things right with God. You know those things and even right now the Spirit of God is pricking your heart and pricking your soul and saying, this is you, this is you, this is you. And the tendency is this, well, I'll just put it off and I'll wait and I'll wait and I'll wait. Listen to me, I'm telling you, you're risking much. You, you understand, you understand. No, 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 come on church. The next thing on God's prophetic calendar, according to 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, is the rapture of the saints. That's the next thing. This is where the Lord Jesus Christ, He will come for His saints on the earth before the tribulation period begins. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet Him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And as the Lord Jesus said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. We don't know, but I'll tell you this much, that doesn't mean we can't look at the Word of God and begin to see just how close we are to that happening. You understand, there's some things, you look at, study the book of Revelation, there are some things that have to begin to unfold on this earth so that the, the, so that the Word of God in the Revelation can be fulfilled. Here's one. Israel has to be established as a nation. Come on, they're at the forefront of they're at the forefront of the tribulation period. That's why it's called Jacob's trouble. That's why it's called uh, great tribulation to Israel, all of, because God's going to deal with Israel once again uh, for their rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And I realize, oh preacher, we're in 2023, and Israel is a nation. Yeah, but what we also have to uh, what we what we also have to consider 
is that this didn't officially happen until 1948. And after World War II. And folks, I, listen, I, I cannot stress enough how huge that is. Or even that during the, during the presidency of Donald Trump, he moved the capital to, or the, uh, the embassy to Jerusalem. Son, what a stink that caused. You know why? Because what he was saying was this, that's really the capital of Israel, not Tel Aviv. That's why all the Muslims were mad about it. But you, you, no, 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 because there's more. Listen, there's, there's so much more. The temple has to be rebuilt. I mean, you go to Revelation chapter 11, you don't have to for time's sake, but in Revelation 11, John is commanded to measure the temple. It will be desecrated by the Antichrist in the abomination of desolation that's recorded by the prophet Daniel and validated by Jesus Christ. And though this hasn't happened yet, oh, listen, there's definitely a desire from Israel to rebuild the temple. I remember years ago going through Revelation and preaching through it, and I was listening to a preacher, a friend of mine, tell, the, tell a story to me about he had just taken a trip over to Israel, a recent trip. And, and you understand, in 1948, uh, when Israel was recognized as a nation, the Muslims just went in an uproar. They were recognized by the UN, the Muslim, and they lost control of East Jerusalem, but in the Six-Day War in 1967, they regained control of East Jerusalem, Old Jerusalem. And my preacher friend was over there, and this has been now probably 10, 12 years ago, maybe even longer than that. And he was over there in Israel, and man, they were just doing a tour. And he said, man, all of a sudden, it, was, it just was like chaos throughout a lot of the city with the Muslims, and they were throwing rocks and, and, and yelling and screaming and just all this craziness and chaos. And he said, we didn't know really what was going on. And he said, I picked up a USA Today paper, and they said something along the lines of, you know, the Jews had built some schools or buildings or something on some Palestinian land and the Muslims were mad about it. And he goes, but come to find out, that wasn't a problem at all. You know what the problem was? The Jews had built a, a synagogue for the first time in eastern Jerusalem, in old Jerusalem. And the Muslims were raging over it because they were moving closer and closer to the western wall and the Temple Mount and be a fact, be, be a fact, I, listen, they just, just, in, just in the last few years, they have now opened it up where Jews can actually go and tour the actual Temple Mount. They wouldn't, the Muslims wouldn't even let them up on the Temple Mount. Now they can go up there. I watched some videos on this, and I watched the Muslims, man, as, they're, as they're walking around on the Temple Mount in a group for safety, and the Muslims over there on the Temple, man, they're screaming and hollering and mad. And you understand, listen, they've got everything ready. They've got the showbread. They've got the, the table there and all that, that. They've got everything set up. The priestly garments, the ephod, all of that stuff. They've got everything ready to go. All they've got to do is build a building. That's all they've got to do. Here, here's another one for you. Here's another one. Here, no, 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 stay with me. Because here's something else. Technology's got to be in place. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, if you read Revelation chapter 11, he tells John to measure the temple, but then he starts talking about these two witnesses. I think it's going to be, I don't know, I think it might be John the Baptist, and, or I mean Elijah and Moses. I don't, you know, they just fling her down. Anyways, I don't, it doesn't say who their names are. It doesn't matter. What does matter is this, is that it tells us 
that those two witnesses are going to be killed. And watch this, the whole world, the whole world, not just Jerusalem and Israel, the whole entire world is going to see them, is going to see their dead bodies. It literally says this, see their dead bodies and rejoice and send gifts to one another. Now watch this, a hundred years ago, you know what you and I had to do? We had to just read that and go, whoa, take it by faith. It's the Word of God. But in 1967, they launched a satellite called Sputnik. I don't want to ask, does anybody remember that? I don't want to. And now, now it's worldwide. Now I can see it happening. I can see the two witnesses being killed. And CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and blah, 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 whatever news station is, special bulletin, the, the, pro, the witnesses have been, or the prophets have been killed. Here's their dead bodies. And everybody in the entire world is rejoicing and sending gifts to one another and having another Christmas holiday. Here's, here's something else. I don't know, listen, I didn't even have my notes. It's got to be a great falling away according to 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at it. Look at the people that used to be in church that ain't in church. Look at just what happened just through COVID. Is anybody getting this? Um, here's something else that's got to happen. One world government. Because the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he's going to have all the answers. Everybody's going to turn over their power unto him and he's going to have control. Right. And I, No, no, no. And I'm just telling you. No, no, I'm just, mm. You talk about the UN and NATO, but now, I mean, listen, now there is talk of one world government. I can remember George Bush, George Bush Sr. when he was president talking about new world order and Biden's talked about it. And globalization is a huge Huge thing today. And I could listen, I could sit here all morning and list different things. And I what this is the way I've always put it, and it just makes sense to me. But have you ever thrown a like you know, just a rock in a in a pond or in, in the water and you see this huge splash? And from that splash comes these large ripples, and the further that it goes out, the smaller that they get. Well, if I could say it like this, if the tribulation and our salvation, our redemption drawing nigh, if that's where the rock hits the water, then I'm just saying to you, we've got to be getting really, really, really close. Because the ripples are huge. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this, is that now's not the time to be sleeping. If you're lost this morning and there's never been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, it's right there in the Bible. I I could go through the whole thing again, but the truth of the matter is there's most people that are, I mean, probably everybody that's here, I'll save a few that's been here for most of this stuff. You know what to do. The only thing I can declare unto you today is this. Stop, stop, Stop putting it off. Stop it. And make a decision. The way we'd say it in the South is this, pull the trigger. 
And what God's saying is this, choose Him. And be saved. But if you're here this morning and you are saved, it's time to stop. It's time to stop sitting in the pew knowing the things that God wants you to do and you're putting it off. If you're saved and you haven't been scripturally baptized and made part of Faith Baptist Church, stop wasting time. You need to get baptized. And you need to be part of the church. Well, you know, I just... No! There's not no... Well, you know, there's not. Stop wasting time. There's not much time left. Or you're here this morning and say, Well, I've got this in my life. And I've got that, and I know I need to get these things straight. Well, then do it. Amen. Stop putting it off. I'm going to be honest with you. I almost went back to that passage in Ezekiel that I brought out, I think, Wednesday night, where, where the prophet talks about how he'll be perceived as one that makes a beautiful sound. But that's as far as it goes. And the reason I almost went back to that is because of this. Is because that's where I feel like I'm at with the ministry of Faith Baptist Church right now to a lot of people. It's real pretty sounding, but that's as far as it goes. And what God's saying is this, it's not supposed to be beautiful sounding. Preaching's supposed to bring a response. The Word of God being given is to bring a response. It's not meant for you to sit back and procrastinate and to put off. And to walk out of the service going, wow, wasn't that neat? Why not walk out and go, mercy? God spoke to me today. And I went to the altar and I got some things right. And I'm walking out those doors today wanting to live for Him. And serve Him. And let Him change my life. So that I can go to my neighbor. And talk to them about the gospel that I got. And they can be saved. Stop. Stop wasting time. Stop procrastinating. Our redemption draweth nigh. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Mercy. What about you this morning? What, what are you putting on? What are you putting on? Let's all stand.